In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Uh, until we have the projector running, uh, as you know, today we... We've been thinking about this for a while, um, how to uh, embed some sex education into our curriculum in Sunday school. And uh, the importance of today is we want your thoughts, your views, and we want you also to know what we are uh, planning for the for the children. So uh, until we get the um, projector starting, hands up if you really think we need to have sex education for our children in Sunday school. If you think we should, yes. Okay, and so some some are uh, half half. So hands up if you don't think we should include any sex education in our um, curriculum for Sunday school. But this is not a microphone. So the people who think we should have uh, sex education, what, what are you hoping to achieve from sex education in Sunday school? It's better for, for the children to hear it from, from the parents and from the church first before they hear it from outside. Absolutely. Because otherwise, if they, if they hear it from outside, those will be the first thoughts that will come to their heads. But if they hear it from the church and from the parents, then it will be the, the thoughts from home and church. Perfect. So the first thing is they need to hear the church views. Um, you said before they hear outside. I'm not sure if we can catch them before they hear outside because the, the, the world we live in now is very kind of speedy and the amount of information thrown at our kids uh, is beyond what we can think. So I think at least we are matching or parallel to what we are, they are receiving in, in uh, school. That's the second point. It's encouraging, encouraging uh, the kids that when they go home, that they can actually speak up and talk about it. So that, I think that's that's a perfect thing. What age? Uh, Macrina and um, Mariam will talk to us about the age, but we are planning to start from um, age from year from eight years old. Our class. Okay. Well, hang on a second. We will we will go into the detail. Okay. So, if you think if you think it's too early, okay. If you think it's too early, age, put up your hand. If you think it's too early, if you think it's too early at the age of eight years old, put up your hand. Okay. You think it's too early. What do you think they need to know at the age of eight? No, just you, everyone. What do you think? Because what we thought about, we're not going to give them everything when they are eight. But there are some elements that they need to hear about when they are eight. They're not going to need about contraception, for instance, when they are eight. They don't need that. But they will need to hear some elements about uh, intimacy, about God's creation. And Mariam and Macrina will talk through our plan for uh, year eight, sorry, age eight and upwards. So the, the, the idea is not to give them everything when they are uh, eight or nine, but to embed that in the uh, Sunday school so they are not shocked when they are 11 and the first time they hear about it is school. So you had something to say. So the, there's a hand here, Mervat, yes. Say again. 
So Daniel is eight, and he already had sex education. So this is this is the reality that we live in. Is the age, age eight, people are already having uh, sex education at school. So imagine if the church doesn't tackle it at all, and all what they know is sex is a taboo and something that they don't need to talk about at church. So. Um, what else do you think would be a benefit from uh, starting sex education in Sunday school? It's an overall in the education system and the values surrounding sex that they're being taught in the education system will not be the same as they're being taught uh, in Sunday school. So, um, for instance, I'm presuming Sunday school will be talking about, you know, eight weeks till you're married. You know, that is a commitment between someone that you're going to spend the rest of your life with. Whereas at school, I think it'd be about, you know, um, about exploring. exploring your sexuality. And in actual fact, um, I remember this came up actually, I was talking with colleagues, something about this. And I must have said something about you know, coming from a background where you went to your married, and they were horrified. You mean you wouldn't want your daughters to explore the sexuality? It was like, then this is how people are feeling that, you know, there is, we, we are, it's very, very, we are maybe parallel, but we're certainly, when, we're not going to be teaching the same. I agree. I think this is a very good point. The angle that they take at school is exploring your sexuality, whereas the angle we will take is different because they don't talk about love in the same definition that we use. They don't define what the body is, the same definition we use. They don't encourage people to relate to their bodies the way we think. They don't have a creator who made the body. So it's again a very different point. So that's why it's very important that we start as early as possible. So now the microphone is, uh, the laptop is working. So I'll just... I'll just give a, uh, uh, two slides on the intro and then I'll hand over the mic to uh, Macarena and Mariam and then we can have a discussion afterwards. Presentation mode. It's gone again. So I agree, the values are different. They need to hear from it because of the stigma and they will be hearing it, uh, about it at school. Any other value from adding it to Sunday school? Well, they can be a role model for their friends in school. They can introduce this. I think that's a very good point. It fills them with confidence. So they're not talking about something that they don't, they don't know how to defend their ideas. Very, very important thing that we didn't have when we were their age is that we never really had to answer questions like why. But at school, if they say to, to other kids, no, we're not going to have a girlfriend, why? And if they don't have a solid answer, then they won't be able to defend the point. And they will think they're weak. So I think that's a very good point. To be a role model, you need to live it and you need to know why you're doing it. How old is he? He's not eight yet. So, so everyone has a GF. <laughs> but I think this is somebody's house, and we have a GF. And here, we have a GF. 
I think this, uh, that's the reality that we're living in. Uh, Josias is only seven, and uh, he's already uh, familiar with the term, and he, th- that's what they talk about. Six years old. Yeah. Uh, we, we haven't planned six, but what we're doing in six to eight is we talk about the creation. And we talk about why God made man and woman as well. So just as a beginning. But I don't think we'll talk about girlfriends in the age of uh, six and seven. <laughs> GFs. But you're right. It's a challenge. It's a challenge. Sorry, again, coming from an education. Can you hold on a second, please? Nancy, everyone, just a... I know from the college. Can we have one conversation, please? Nancy, can we have one conversation, please? That, um, I'm going to sound homophobic here. I mean, what people do is their business, but I know that um, within the college, uh, the students who are homosexual, they are aggressively marketing homosexuality as a lifestyle choice. I mean, they set up. Um, I remember they were putting posters up and I left it for a while and then I must have I snuck into work and it took a time for a support group and it was like the students asking you know it was for any students or staff who were concerned about their sexuality this is like if I'm concerned about sexuality I'm not going to go looking to the students for advice but anyway but it was from age 13 bus and these were posted up all over the college and then the, and the students and this is coming from the student union I was also offered training the other week from the student union how to deal with transgender students and you know and it's just like really marketed very it's aggressive marketing you know and it's completely unnecessary but I, I do think there's a very assertive I think that's again that's another point that people who uh, have a different sexuality they really market it aggressively because they want to prove that they have the right to be um, whatever they are and that threatens our kids as well because they don't hear about that uh, in church. Um, so again it becomes that new thing that people talk about but obviously mom and dad don't know anything about it and our servants never talk about it so it must be either wrong or they or are, we are wrong so again that's a challenge that our kids are facing so again I'll go quickly through a couple of slides I'm not sure if you've seen this in The Guardian in January uh, they did a survey of 2,500 schools and, uh, and university students in the UK. 60% were watching porno to get the information about sex. And that's what we don't want our kids to face. If they can't get it from here, or what they get from here, if you look at the last uh, or the second point, uh, people, 75% said that the sex education they get at school was not practical. It was fair or poor or terrible. Again, that's not something we want. So if we give them very superficial information, like this is God's plan, He wants us to be man and woman, full stop, and they are at the age of 13, where they need to hear more about why God made us look different, and what is sex, what is it for, why do we get pleasure when we have sex, all these detailed questions, then they will say the same. We think it's terrible, it's poor, it's not telling us what we want, and the only way out is pornography, just to find out more. And that's the risk that we are trying to, um, to avoid by doing sex education at school. And it's a shocking, shocking uh, figure. 75% don't think the sex education is enough. Uh, the other 
figure is that they all say, or 75% say, that the pornography creates unrealistic expectations, but they still go for it, and they know it actually affects their own relationships afterwards. So he knows that this is the right choice, and this is what I should be doing, but, the, but comparing that to the intensity and the magnification, which is all artificial and fake, that they see in the pornography, it was very hard for him to proceed. And again, that's what they're exposed to. The other interesting fact was a, a survey done by a Christian organization, but not really for the young people, it was early adolescence and uh, adulthood. And um, 75% of the Christian men were viewing pornography at least once a month. So again, that's, that's the, the population that we see. That's the people that would be the parents of the kids that we send our kids to play with. That's the mindset and that's the, the reality we live in. And uh, there is no, I mean, if we deny that reality, we are only harming ourselves and our kids. So the reality is worse than what we uh, think. I was having, um, I think I was a meal in a restaurant, and I heard that song in the background. If it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. If it makes you happy, then why are you so sad? And I'm thinking, that's the notion that the media is creating and, and the, the mindset that the media is creating in our kids. If, it's, if it makes you happy, it can't be that bad. So don't listen to people who t- or your conscience when it tells you this is wrong. The song is clear. If, it, if you are feeling happy, it can't be that bad. That's a popular song and it was played when my son was there having a meal with me. It wasn't something like a, an 18 plus song. So again, that's, I felt shocked about the mindset. It's how, how, will it make you happy or not? That's a mindset. And the last thing is the reality that we need to face is the generation generational gap. So we come from a different generation to uh, our kids. Not just one generation, it's more than one generation gap. When I was 21, it was the first time I, I understood that I could see a naked woman on uh, the internet. I didn't, that to me when I was 15 never existed. It was like something that you have really to pay for and you have to be one of these very, very bad people coming from very bad families to obtain a picture or, a, or any video. I was only 22 when I started to know that you can actually get it on the internet and I was given uh, websites. So I was 22, not 6 or 7 or 8. So my ability to make judgment was very different. My ability to weigh up pros and cons and think about consequences was very different. If you compare that to your sons or daughters who are 12 or 13, you can think how struggling they could be. The second reality is a cultural gap. 
we come from a culture which is very different from the culture here. So when we used to be sent to see friends and we know the parents, we know the limitations in a way. Although it's not perfect, but still you know some limitations. Whereas here, you don't know the limitations because sometimes there's no limitations. And the stories, one of, one of the kids um, went for a sleepover and he is six and a half. Again, not talking about our kids, so avoid confidentiality. So we're talking about Coptic kids that I've personally been involved with. Six and a half, parents said, fair enough, go for a sleepover, be fine, we're around. So they were downstairs, kids were upstairs, the boy of the other family said, show me your private parts when we uh, make a wee-wee. And they were all sort of sharing their private parts. Obviously the six and a half didn't know that it was wrong, he felt it was okay, gave him some pleasure, came downstairs, didn't tell his mummy, and that was the beginning of him starting to touch himself. The mummy asked, and she knew about that, she was shocked. But there's no limitation to what other kids are exposed to. So that's the reality that we have to accept. The culture we live in is different. Third reality here is that it's everywhere. So, as I say, our generation, and I'm not going to ask people, but I bet you, some of you never even when they were in their 20s saw any pornographic material whereas now on your iPhone you, do, you only need to type three letters and you'll get a pornographic image if you don't have an iPhone go to any shop magazines are there the sun is there they can, they can, use, they can see whatever you want um, it so happened here in the church that some uh, girls that came from a uh, neighborhood, they had some materials on their phones to show our kids. It was fine, because they thought that's it's okay, it's cool. So again, it, it is everywhere. So it's not, you can't control it the way you think. And uh, people can access it from anywhere, actually. Um, the last two, I think, are important. One, they won't normally ask you. Again, some of us feel the pride. My, I know my daughter very well. I know my son very well. They will definitely come and tell me, I'm really sorry to give you some bad news. They won't, you won't be the first point of contact. You might have built a good relationship. They might ask you about something, but not everything. Especially if it's detailed, and especially if they've never heard you talk about it in a positive sense. The norm is the kids will start to suss you out. So they will start throwing something at you, saying, I've heard my friend do this, and they will see your reaction. If they spot that you panicked, or got angry, or, was, or distressed by it, they will not tell you that they actually had some thoughts. Forever. So the, when, I, uh, when I had some emotions and I was 16 or 17 towards a girl and look at my generation, very different, it wasn't my parents that I spoke to. Although we trusted each other, I know they were containing, but it wasn't my parents. I went for a servant and I told them I have some feelings and that was very therapeutic and the relationship was what actually upheld me. So, but I'm talking about a different generation, different topic, let alone what we are exposed to. So what I'm trying to say is the importance of instilling this into our uh, Sunday school, A, is to equip the parents. B is to let the kids know that your servants can be asked about masturbation. Your servants can be asked about why in pornography someone can stay in, um, let's say, in a, in a fantasy or in, what do you call it, um, 
orgasm for a few minutes or for an hour. How come? If you don't know uh, the answer, if the servants give the lesson, they would suss out that the servant can answer these questions. Not necessarily from a medical point of view, but from the essence of it. Is that what we are for? Is that what we aim for? Is that why God created that pleasure thing? What is it for? Giving them that concept that, that would give them the foundation of sex and their understanding. So that's the benefit of talking about it openly in, in Sunday school. And as I say, last point is what you know is not the full picture. So if they tell you, I've had a thought or I've seen a picture, it's not that. It's more than that. They have seen more than that. They are just testing you out to see what your reaction would be. The worst reaction would be panicking, distress and aggression. Because that would be closing the door for any discussion with you and also would mean this is something uh, I should feel very guilty about and it would be kind of an impression that would leave the kids uh, traumatized for a while before they actually realize that God had a purpose and I could have had a better dealing with the situation. So that's the end of my um, slide and I'll let I'll let uh, Macrina, Marina, Mariam and Macrina carry on. of his lifestyle so he could change his sex and I was really shocked and this is like we're a completely different generation to y'all but we were shocked that that was happening because when I was at school that didn't exist and even like I think it was a few weeks maybe last week even in Sunday school um, one of the younger um, girls said to us that we were talking, I think it was Rosemary, she's like, who's ever played truth or dare, like, or ever played dares? And one of the girls said, oh, I was dared to kiss a boy. So, I'm pretty sure she was, like, seven or eight. So, she, it's not like, like, when we say, oh, it's too young to talk to them, like, it's, there's no such thing as too young. Like, they're all exposed to it. Um, another mum from another church told me once how her son, um, she has an older son, and he came home from school after he had sex education. And he said to his mum, oh, we learned about sex. And then his younger brother was like, what's that? And no one told him. So the next day he went to school and he typed on the computer sex and his teacher caught him and called his mum and, and she was really concerned. And she just felt, at first she was angry and then she realised it, it was her fault because he asked and she never and she never told him and she never explained anything to him. And when, like, if, if you type that on Google, like, God knows what, what's going to come up. Like, um, anything can come up. Um, so, the, so the reality is, like, we can't, like, sex ever, we can't hide our children. Like, we can't tell them, don't play on your phone, don't go to your friend's house, don't do anything. Like, that's not the reality. Like, we can't do that. Um, so second, some, something else we believe, that like God created sex, and sex is good. So part of why we, we're bringing this to the kids is because we want to teach them that sex is not dirty. It's not something to be like, oh, that's disgusting. And that's something that God created, and it's, 
it's a very good thing um, and that there's a place for it in scripture that we can talk about it and it's not something that we have to hide from um, and I think because like something like Michael said like a lot of people like you read so many articles now where people are married and they struggle to see that sex is a good thing because they grew up thinking sex is dirty, sex is wrong. Or they grew up thinking only men, like sex is for men. And so girls struggle to, to deal with it because, um, yeah, it, they, they struggle to deal with it because they don't know, um, like they've never been told that it's a good thing. Um, and even like something I actually think we should ask ourselves, our relationship, if at any, if at any point you feel uncomfortable with any words or anything, concepts that we say, ask yourself why. Because I think, like Michael said, culturally, like it's very different, and we're kind of almost like in the middle of like the kids and like your generation, where we're we're still shocked, just like you are when we hear some things, but we're also more aware of what they're going through. So if you feel at any point that you're uncomfortable with something, like ask yourself why. Because like Michael said, if you're uncomfortable, your kids will sense that you are, and they will have that uncom- like discomfort with with regards to sex as well. Um, um, so thirdly, there's no shame. So that's something that throughout this, like everything that we talk to the kids about, we want to emphasize that there's no shame when it comes to sexuality. Like we have that word that we always say, like, oh, that's Haib, like, call the heck Haib, like, but there's no such thing, like, the word, like, it's not rude, or it's not, like, Haib to say, like, the word sex, or, like, penis, or anything, like, we can't be scared to say these words, because these are, these are, like, these are real words, and we can't have our kids too scared to say them, just because we're uncomfortable with them, um, and because if God made something, how can we say, how can we, like, eliminate words from the dictionary, but just because we, like, we don't want to say them, we think that, or we've been taught that they're Haib, but, like, there's no such thing as, and also for the kids who, like we have to be realistic, some of these kids have already been exposed to masturbation, pornography, kissing, whatever it is, like having boyfriends or girlfriends. So we have to instill this culture that there's no shame, even if you've done whatever you've done, it's okay because God is like a redeeming God and he forgives us and there's grace for everyone. So we have to come at an angle where, because if, like, if a child comes and says, oh like I had a boyfriend, I'm like, oh, how dare you? They're never going to talk about it. They're going to think they did the worst thing ever. So we have to talk to them and love them and tell them that whatever you've done, it's okay. Because we have to realize, especially for our class, they're, like, they're all turning 11 now. They are a bit older than some of the younger kids. But we can't we can't assume that these like the kids are not exposed or they're not they haven't done anything in their like in their lives. Um, sorry, just one thing. Yeah. So so what we're talking about now is aimed mainly at our class, by yeah. the way. So like later on, there's some stuff that we have to teach the very small ones, but the ones that we're talking about. I'm sure my voice is loud enough. <laughs> um, I'm, it's mainly for like arts. Yes, yes, Shabby. So can you remind me what's the age group for your class? It's like 10. 10 then. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So obviously the smaller ones, I'll speak about it in the next slide, but there's some stuff like for the five-year-olds and six-year-olds that you have to address that our class already know or maybe not know. Um, but it's just so that you're aware, because I can see some faces being like, are you actually going to tell my five-year-old <laughs> about this? And I can imagine, I wouldn't, obviously I can understand your concerns, so that's it. To see, to see the feedback, and then we'll go down to, the, uh, to Marina's class, the younger ones from uh, uh, nine, uh, or yeah, from nine, uh, and then we'll go down to the younger class from six to nine, and, but we thought that class is the best to start with, get the feedback, see what areas they know, what areas they don't know, and then we'll go down.
like me now like it's ideal that they do it for them first yeah. and obviously we're just kind of trying to mm-hmm. like do it like what we haven't um, and so something that was important that we thought as well was um, children need to be equipped to make their own decisions so we can like as parents as Sunday school servants we can control a certain part of their lives but we but that's not the answer because they can when they leave home they have to know the truth to make their own decisions so there's a verse in Proverbs that I love and it says Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. And like, it's kind of like that proverb, the Chinese proverb that says, give a man a fish, feed him for a day, teach him how to fish, and feed him for a lifetime. So we want to teach them the truth so that when they're not with you, when they're at a friend's house, when they're anywhere, they can make the decision and they can know that, like, what is right from wrong. Because we can, cause you can tell them, don't watch this program. You can sit with them and watch every TV show with them, but when they're at their friend's house, they're not made, they're, like, they have to have the choice. They have to learn to make their own decisions. Can I just say a yeah. perfect example, speaking from, I'm sure every family has done this, <laughs> but as a child when you're growing up, and you're watching TV and the channel quickly flips because there's a scene on a program that is inappropriate. We've all been there. And you as a child become a bit curious and you're like, why did my parents do that? Like, why did they not want me to see that? And I think if you're going to do that, you have to prepare to to have answers for your children. Because as a child, if I say to... Um, I feel sorry for mum and Bob because they're sitting here. I'm not. Uh, the examples I'm giving are not my parents. I'm just <laughs> talking. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I knew this was going to be a disaster even before I started. But why I'm, why I'm saying is, it's not good enough to change the channel and say you're not watching that. Why? Like. It wasn't for you. It was for you. Yeah. <laughs> in the way he should go like teach them why rather than just giving them commands or like do you know what I mean so I think maybe just start thinking about that like even you know I some parents I've spoken to some people might think is is extreme but they say I watch all the movies and the programs before I allow my children to watch it so that I don't have to give answers every time we're flipping through things and I as, as extreme as some people might think it is I think that's acceptable and I think each maybe each family has to kind of come up with their own thing because I don't know it's quite difficult as a child to instill confusion rather than answers and with the same thing with TV for example I something that my mum used to do which I used to find so annoying whenever we'd watch TV um, like she just had this running commentary like she'd like anything that came on like she'd just say she'd make little comments and we'd be like just be quiet TV on my own, I can't hear her voice. Like, <laughs> but um, like, I think to myself, like, I know, like, because she taught me through watching things. Like, she didn't always watch TV with me, but whenever I watched it on my own, I knew, like, what, yeah. what, what the truth was. Yeah. yeah. And so then, at that for me, that taught me instead of not letting me watch things like I was allowed to watch, but I was able to discern for myself to do what she had taught me. Um, and so something as well was you cannot hide a child. 
you cannot hide, you cannot hide this from children because it's in their very nature. So every child has sexual desires. So we can't like we can't ignore it. And I think I think it would be like the biggest disaster if we ever ignored this because it's, it's such a big thing. And something um, that Michael touched upon was like kids are not naive. Like we can't think that your kids don't know anything. Like I can tell you. Like we can tell you now. All of your children have been exposed to like more or less everything. Like we like we like they, they're very open with us. Like thank God they're very open. We've heard them talk about their friends having boyfriends, girlfriends, kissing, like just everything. And they're very open, which is a very good thing. Like they're honestly, like, I, I don't just say this because we're in this church, but they're some of the best kids like that I've ever like been with. And I just think that because they're so open and because at this age where they're so willing to talk about things, it's such the perfect time to like talk to them um, about sex. And something that we believe is nothing is off limits. Like we're very like because we grew up in this culture, we don't find anything uncomfortable. So they can say anything to us, and we're not we're not shocked because we expect it. So like what we want to teach, like tell them is nothing is off limits. You can ask, like Michael said, you can ask about masturbation, pornography, sex, anything they want to ask. But we want them to have that open space to to be who they like who they are and to really express how they feel. Okay, so um, we kind of split it up into, I think it was four groups, um, like headings, what we were going to discuss. So all of us kind of sat together one evening and decided it. So the running theme is going to be we're made in God's image and our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and there's no shame. So everything, so like all the kind of headings like you can see our bodies relationships and the next one there's a few on the next slide so everything we teach has to always be brought back to the theme that we've chosen which is being made in God's image because if we don't what's the difference between what we're teaching here and what we're teaching in what the kind of teachers are teaching at school so everything we do we're just going to kind of hark it back so the first one is going to be about our bodies so it's, I'm not saying it's for the girls only, it's for girls and guys, but it's mainly for the girls. Like, having been through school, primary school and secondary school, um, dress, modesty and beauty is a massive thing for girls. Um, especially just as you're entering the teenage years. And one thing that like his, um, that I've noticed quite a lot in this age group is the descriptive terms that are used among girls. So, um, kind of like beauty, hot, attractive, sexy. So they are getting the wrong idea of what descriptive terms they should be having for themselves. So like at school, I'm so actually Rosemary sent. I think you sent a really good article on our group where. Um, Oh no, it was a newspaper where the, aver- the girls at school are now acting dumb and not wanting to do well at school because that um, shows that they're sexy in front of their peers. Mm. So they'll probably leave school with no qualifications. Why? Because their image is more important because of what other people think of them. So if they're at school and that's the only words they hear, then... That's, you, you're going to have to try and kind of rectify that at home by giving them the correct terminology. And if they say, you know, if, that, if the terms they want to be described as are like sexy or hot, try and find out like why and where that's coming from and what that actually means. So we want to address that, particularly our class. Mm-hmm. Um, 
not the younger ones, not the five-year-olds, <laughs> I'm saying, but for our class, we will explain to the very, very small ones what it means to, um, to talk about your bodies. So for the very young ones, um, I think what's really, really important is talking about your body and it being your own body and nobody else's. So I heard a very good advert. I don't know if anybody heard it in the radio. Do, do you know which one I'm talking about? It's a really good advert, and it says, tell your children that the place where their underwear is is only for you and nobody else to touch. Naveen's nodding her head. It's quite good, isn't it? It's very good, and I think even if that's the starting point, so for example, four-year-olds, five-year-olds, you need to tell them now that at school, if somebody wants to take you to the toilet and you aren't comfortable with that, you have to say, like, I'm... Personal, um, one of my very good friends at university, she didn't go to the same school as me, so don't worry. Um, <laughs> um, she, when she was very young, because she had been taught that if you have the no feeling, we used to have a song at school, I'm not going to sing it to you, <laughs> but we had a song at school and we were taught it, and I'm so grateful for that song. It goes, my body's nobody's body but mine. <laughs> and so, so if you rem she remembered that. She was taught when she was about six years old. They went to a camp, and she said that they were playing hide-and-seek. And during that camp, she ran into the woods. And she said the one of the teachers who she's always felt uncomfortable with ran after her. And she said it was both of them alone in the woods. And she said, I don't know what happened to me, but I ran crying saying, I've got the no feeling. <laughs> so that's the only thing she could say because she was learnt. She got taught to say that and this was when she was six years old I went for lunch with her a month ago and she told me the story and she said that same teacher has now been convicted for paedophilia in the school so I'm just warning you that it happens don't think that your school is immune and she said to me I had the biggest sick feeling in my stomach when that happened she said that could have been me so she didn't teach if she wasn't taught the correct information about feeling no whatever um, then God knows what would have happened. So you really need to tell your kids, even from a very young age, like she went to a good Catholic school. A good Catholic school. <laughs> just want to say, repeat that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, sorry, I digress. Um, so, sorry, back to our bodies. Um, um, so dress modesty, beauty. Oh, the other thing is what we want to describe from a kind of... We don't want to make it... I'm not saying we're going to make it all spiritual. We have to make it biological as well. Naeem? <laughs> Are you listening? Um, you have to make it... Um, <laughs> we, have to, we have to make it factual. So we can't miss out facts. So we have to talk about difference between the male and female body and, and why it's like that so just kind of just touch on anatomy and physiology um, because they'll be taught that as well so we'll try and all link it in um, the other thing is attraction differentiating between attraction and lust so teach them what the clothes we wear and the way we carry ourselves how that reflects how that portrays us to other people and how that reflects what we are inside. So like media, healthy body image as um, Rosemary was saying, people watching pornography and not accepting that what a healthy body is is normal because they're so used to seeing something completely different. Um, and as I touched on beauty versus, you know, all the descriptive terms that girls actually aspire to. But the other thing is not to shun attraction. So 
believe it or not, we already had people in my Sunday school class saying, oh, I fancy so-and-so. And I'm like, tell me what fancy actually means. What do you mean by that? Because I, like what Makrina, what Makrina says, which I really like, is always challenge them why they say something. So, so I fancy so-and-so. Okay, so tell me what fancy actually means. Uh, I was like, that's not a good enough answer. <laughs> so, um, and then just chat with them why they mean it. And like never say to them, it's wrong to be attracted. Because believe it or not, I've heard of a case who the parents kept, you know, shunning it and shunning it, you know, and then they went the complete opposite way. And you don't want that either. So you just have to, like, allow them to kind of speak openly why. Um, I was going to talk about pornography, but I think you've touched everything, Michael. Oh, so for the, we're going to have to explain to the kids what that, what is pornography, because I think if they've seen images before, they might not know that that's what that is. So explain to them what it is, and explain to them from a um, biological slash physiological way why it's so unhealthy, but obviously from a spiritual sense as well, like. Um, how God intended beauty and sex rather than in a kind of um, like unrealistic and unhealthy fashion. And we're not going to, I don't think we're going to dwell too much on that. We have to touch on it though. Um, and again with the theme is um, how our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit so we have to respect male and female <laughs> and not to look yeah. at them in that, in that kind of way. And so again that runs with the theme. Mm-hmm. Um, so relationships, again, we have to define, go back to being made in God's image and bodies the temple of the Holy Spirit and tell them that everybody desires to be loved and it's not weird to want to want to be attracted and want to love somebody. Um, but we have to teach them the truth about love. And the reason why we've got marriage here is because, I think maybe this slide should have come before the other one, after the other one, is because we're going to be talking about dating and we have to talk about how that the intention of that is to lead to a proper relationship in marriage rather than the dating they see at school. So, um, unfortunately, like, I mean, I, I'm not saying that um, all my examples are imperfect. I've seen great examples of relationships and not so great examples. But we have to also tell them that what they see, even in a church environment, of what a marriage and a relationship is might not always be the best. So we have to tell them the truth. So if they see a very, or if they come from a very dysfunctional family, um, just because they're Christian doesn't mean it's it's the truth. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, just in case... Um, I think that's. Um, and again with that, because obviously they're watching movies and they're seeing all these Disney movies, whatever they're watching, they're getting all this image of like relationships and like true love and love at first sight and all this stuff. So we want to really like tell them the truth and what like these things we can watch these movies and these are great movies, but like really show them what the truth is so that they can differentiate like just like reality from like all this um, just fantasy stuff. Um, yeah. And so with that as well, it's something that Michael and Rosemary touched upon was homosexuality and transgender issues because they're learning at school that this is normal, this is okay, and a lot of people are getting told, just be who you are. So if you have feelings for the same sex, just be who you are. So we have to be realistic, we have to teach them that we have to love everyone, and I think there's a bit of discomfort like around that topic because... Maybe as a church, we're not used to that. We're not used to someone saying, like if someone in the church said, oh, I have same-sex attraction, 
everybody, regardless, would be like, what? Like, everyone would be shocked because no one thinks, we, we think that doesn't exist in the church. But like, my dad can tell you, it exists, I'm not saying in this church, specifically. I'm just saying generally, it exists in churches. And like, <laughs> and actually one of my very good friends, um, he's Christian and he struggles with same-sex attraction. And it's so heartbreaking when I hear him say, like, no one in the church talks about this, so I feel so unsupported. And that he knows the truth and he doesn't want to live that lifestyle. And he's like, and that's what he's aiming for, but no one is giving him the resources. No one is giving him the support that he needs. And we can't assume that we're not going to have kids who do have same-sex attraction. So we have to talk about everything. And so with that as well, is we want to tell the truth that when we believe that God created one man for one woman, but this does exist. And it's not, it's not the end. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. But also that, that there's support for people. Like, it's, like, it's like any other sin, you know. Like we have to say the truth that we love these people the same. And it's just, like homosexuality is just like, it's just like lust. It's like lying, stealing. Like there's no one is greater than the other. So that's something really important because we have to, and we have to be very sensitive. And again, if because a lot of kids you hear them now, they're just like, oh, like they say, oh, that's gay, and then they like start laughing. And we have to tell them not to be that way because that creates an environment where any child who does have those feelings will feel completely like rejected and shamed. So we have to be the ones if we hear a kid say that, we have to be the ones to correct them and say like, I don't want to hear that. That's not right. We have to be loving towards everyone. Um, and again, not like Mariam said, like not to suppress, um, attract, like any attraction, any feelings, and to suppressing it doesn't like that, that's not solving anything. Like it's yeah, talking about it and really, and if a kid comes to you saying like, or to one of us saying, oh, like I have feelings for this person, especially now that our class are going into high school, that's going to be a lot more common. Like, because sometimes telling them off. Like, like Michael said, it really like if you're, our reaction determines how much they're going to talk to us. So if a child is really like seeking out advice, sometimes I really believe just just probing them and challenging them, asking them more questions is more important, so that you can or we can understand where they are. So if someone's like, even if their behaviour is strange and you're worried, I think just asking and but because sometimes the, the kids always expect especially when they start to become teenagers, we're the enemy. Like, we're the enemy. You guys are the biggest enemies because you're the parents. And so, and so instead of always rebuking them or trying to tell them off, try just try and understand them. Just ask them questions. See where they are. Because telling them off is not, like losing them is not worth it. Just find out where they are. And you can teach them in another means at another time, but not in that, and not in that moment. Um, so, yeah, obviously we're going to talk about sex. Um, that's what the whole point is. Um, so about how the physical, emotional, mental, um, and spiritual, and like how it's the importance of marriage, and about union, and um, also like the sign, like the signs behind it all, and how some I don't know, I don't know what they, exactly what they say at school, but a lot of kids think sex is just for babies. So we want to really emphasise it's not just for having babies. That sex is a really good thing and it's a pleasure also. Um, we want to touch upon STDs and contraception, not in great depth because school does that a lot, but at least. Because all the kids in our class, for example, there's they're some that are 10, some are 11, so not everyone's had, not everyone's at the same level in terms of like knowledge. So we want to get everyone to the same um, level, um, and also how like like sex is a very good thing, but it's at a certain time it's got a really great place in marriage. Um, but at the same time, we don't. If you've had sex before marriage, it's not the end of the world. It's not like we're not telling them, yeah, go do it, and it's fine. God's going to forgive you, but. 
there's grace to cover that and for any kids who have been involved in anything. And also something that really shocked me once was, I don't know if you've heard of Dr. Nabil Betty. He's a Coptic Christian marriage counsellor in California. So he was in Birmingham one year and he did a conference and it was all about like sex and sex. It was a very intense like sex addiction and pornography masturbation. And there was these 14-year-old boys um, and I was chatting to them and they were really bored, like they weren't enjoying it very much. And one of them said to me, he's like, can I ask you something? I was like, yeah, sure. And he said, he said, that man said masturbation is wrong. But in school, they told us it's healthy. Like, he's like, I don't understand. And I was really shocked. I was like, these boys, they're so innocent. Like, they're just doing what they're told. They're not, they're not doing anything that's, like, no one told them that, that, that masturbation is not something that they should be doing. So they're just doing what they're told. And I felt really sad that if someone had just told them this is wrong from, like, years before, because at 14, that can be an addiction. Like I don't like I didn't go in depth with them, but it's so easy for it to become an addiction once you're exploring yourself and getting into these things. It's so easy to become a habit, and so it was just really sad that no one had equipped them to make that decision when they were younger. So we want to talk about masturbation, and I think at that point, because for most of it, we want to have the kids together because they do that in school. But with masturbation, because it's such a sensitive topic, we want to split them apart because some of the kids may have already started masturbating. So you want to kind of have like the boys with the boys and the girls with the girls so that in case anyone has wants to be really open and ask any questions, we want to have like have that space for them. Um, and again, like what is what do we believe in why is like why is it wrong and what is it? That's something that we want to cover as well. Don't worry guys, we're nearly finished. Um, and quickly, so feelings and desires, we've kind of touched on this already, um, how to deal with how we feel. So as we've said already, I think the worst thing or one of the worst things we can do is if a child does come and explains a feeling is to condemn it um, because they're at an age where they might actually struggle with expressing themselves. So the time when they do express themselves um, it might be that one time where they feel, yeah, I can do it, and then you stop it, and they'll never do it to you again. Um, unfortunately, I, I think it's uh, happened with some of the kids already who just cannot um, express themselves, and it comes out in the weirdest ways I've ever seen. But it's never too late, and um, I think at this, if we kind of, if you guys and we work together to kind of make a relationship with them, um, a trusting one. Then, like you can, you can allow them to kind of speak freely and openly. And um, the big question is, which every all of the kids are asking, when can we date? When we can have? Can, can we have a girlfriend? Can we have a boyfriend? What's the aim of dating? So. I think like we don't want to give set rules and we don't want to be to say you're never allowed to date. You know, actually someone sent me this really funny poster. It says it says my my parents always said to never date and then they're asking why I'm not married. <laughs> and I just loved it because I was like, that's a really good point. Like as you grow up they're like, Don't talk to that boy, what are you doing? I saw the way you looked at him and then as soon as you hit like twenty five they're like, Why why are you not with anyone? What, what are you doing? I'm like, it's your fault. <laughs> but do you understand where we're coming from? So, like, if you keep, like, you, you have to kind of be really wise about it and say, like, you know, speak to them openly. Just be like, I mean, I remember, I'm just going to embarrass you now, Mama, sorry, but I, I remember Mama, like, at an appropriate age being like, Fihad. <laughs> and, and, but, no, but, but what I want to say 
appropriate time, and I never, I never came out with it. But because some, because she came out with it first, I felt I was in an environment where I was able to say, like, oh, I thought, I thought we weren't allowed to. I thought it was going to be set up. Like, what's going on? And um, so, like, even when they're young, like, explain to them, like, why we date, what's the purpose, and people will ask when, and that's going to be completely different from every bit, everyone. So, like, it's not you can't say right as soon as you hit 20 you can date like I don't think that that's my personal view I don't think that's appropriate just because everybody's different everyone's going to reach a mentality and maturity at completely different ages yeah <laughs> and Marquita's dying to say something <laughs> and something else with that point your mom too. No. <laughs> something actually that I'm sure more people have noticed a lot of people like I know many girls who are much older who aren't yet married and they all and one of them said to me once she's like I wish my mum encouraged me yeah. to talk to boys when I was younger because she found it, now that she's older she finds it hard to because it was she just had this unhealthy relationship where she she didn't come near boys because her mum was like 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 there's something that people say like oh man didn't I should kill him that like we don't have this thing called boyfriend girlfriend like that's the biggest lie and heresy ever like we, we like honestly we tell people like you can't date and then like you said we expect them to get married but there has to be we have to be basically say no you are of course you're gonna date but there's a certain time um, and we can't have this culture of oh like that's her boyfriend because that's that's very negative on like whoever is dating or whoever is um, soon to be married or whatever and we can guarantee you that at some point there will be people, there will be youth in our church who have, will have, had a boyfriend or a girlfriend. I'm just saying that. Yeah, just like in case yeah. you're sitting there thinking it's not going to happen to our kids, we know. <laughs> yeah, actually, we, we named that. We called it This Is Not My Child Syndrome. Like, parents always think this is not my child. And, like, that's like, yeah. <laughs> one thing we encourage you guys to do is to come away from like this is not my child because it's not that's not real and I think something that I've heard before was um, somebody like one guy was telling me once how he had a girlfriend in high school um, and his dad was like you're no you're not like you're not going to be with this girl and I thought we have to just I, like there's no like I can't no again we can't make rules we can't say do's and don'ts but I think in those situations just be careful because the way we handle that can is going to impact our kids like for the better or the worse so if I force my daughter to, to split up with her boyfriend that's going to impact your relationship with them and I think we have to be very careful when it comes to those things and there's people like older who have gone before us like different adults that you can like that can advise you on that but I think we have to be careful because when we do find out that our kids are involved in something how do we deal with that and I think always ask before we do something and I think that's for us as well like sometimes we'll come to Michael because we're like we don't know how to deal with this Michael. instead of going in and just making a complete mess like it's such a sensitive area and I feel like once you get things wrong it's so hard to change the dynamic between us or you guys and the children I agree so, so no definitely I totally agree with you, Naveen, but that's why we said that verse in Proverbs, because it's up to you.
to you to teach them. So they'll have that information at the end of the day. If they're 18 and they're making that decision, do you honest, like honest? They're 18. They're going to be like, I can legally drink. I can legally drive. I can legally smoke. Do they like honestly? Will they turn around and be like, but my mom says I'm not allowed a girlfriend. Hmm. <laughs> like realistically. So that's why we're saying like train them to be able to think for themselves about the consequences they're going to face. Like not just physically, but emo- emotionally, spiritually. Because at the end of the day, we can provide. I mean, I'm going to be. I'm going to be totally honest. Like even me and Macrina, though we're taking the same Sunday school, we sometimes clash in what we well, what <laughs> like what yeah. we teach and what we think. Yeah. So everybody will be different. And I'm similar to you, where I feel more like I quite like ground rules, where Macrina's such a free spirited little girl, <laughs> um, and so we are quite like different. And I'm not I'm, I'm not saying to you you need to say to them no at this age, but yes at this age because everybody's different. But what we're saying is the ground rule is like you have to educate them to make their own decisions. And some some yeah, it's such a tricky. No, I. Yeah. be careful because it's, it's the way you deal with that and like you said like you're telling her your opinion but at, at the end of the day any of the kids can choose to go against what their parents are saying um, and I think we have to be careful that they're not that kids are not not dating out of fear because so I know a lot of kids who won't talk to a guy or or a girl because they're scared if my mom or father or mama find out like I'm gonna get the ship ship like they're scared of that no see I disagree because I think it should be out of principle, not out of fear. Yeah, but you have to know that there's a shipship as well. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone knows there's a shipship. Oh, Rosemary, the shipship is a slipper. The shipship is a slipper, like Egyptian mums like to throw a slipper. <laughs> when it gets out of control. Yeah, so when your kids are bad, you just get the slipper. <laughs> but yeah, like I agree, but I just think... Twice a week, and it's girls, and I'm like, I'm really busy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know girls, 
him. Do you want to do the last part? Yeah. So, um, it's accountability. Almost here. Okay, sorry, sorry guys. So, and um, accountability. Um, this is something that um, Michael touched on just before, but it's, it's basically having somebody that they can talk to and not feel really afraid, because I think that one of the last things that we want is that they, they're like, oh, well, they, they talked about it at school, they haven't talked about it in church, and in church they seem like really angry and like embarrassed about it, so I'll go speak to an older boy at school. And I think that would probably start a cycle of just um, a bit of a, um, a whirlwind, basically. So um, I think, I suppose, the last slide as well. Oh, okay, not showing up. But it's basically the most important thing is if we are able to work with you guys, because I think if it's going to be one-sided, it's, it's not going to work very efficiently. So, like, if we... Or you guys, like, if we teach something and then they want to go home and say, Mom, this is what I learned in Sunday school. Or Dad, this is what I learned in Sunday school. And you just look at them and be like, don't talk about that, that's rude. Then they're going to talk to you again. So I think that's... And maybe I suppose we can have a quick discussion, or if, if people want to go home, it's up to you, um, about what, um, what... If there's anything we haven't touched on that you want us to do, or, or like... Maybe hear from you what your concerns are, or if there's anything like how we can actually work together. Because basically, we're not parents; you are. So we've got some advantages of not being parents and having these kids, and you've got ad advantages if that makes sense. So I think we lack in we lack in a lot of stuff because yeah. we don't have children. But we are. But you guys lack in stuff too. Because <laughs> you're we not were, cool. Yeah, and we were recently just with children, so yeah. we have that kind of. Yeah. Spring, so. I think that's it. Okay. Okay, well, any before we finish, any we have some resources if anybody wants, but like come and ask specifically what you're looking for, and we can direct you to like websites, books, anything that you need. I was going to say that. So the way we uh, uh, came up with the lesson is we matched um, some uh, school curriculums. So we got the three or four: one Catholic and uh, a couple uh, secular. And we've uh, looked at th uh, what they offer, and we also looked at a couple of Christian resources. So if you are struggling, and if or if you want to know, um, you have some material uh, for your own reading, uh, just get in touch with either Macrina or Mariam, and we can email you the the resources. Uh, the uh, I, I think teaching the kids is not the struggle. I think teaching the parents is the struggle. We are the ones that need to change our mindset. I'm one of you. We need to change our mindset about the whole topic. Because the way we were brought up is it's a shame we don't talk about it at all. I don't think the kids have a problem learning about sex because they've already heard about it. We are the ones who need to learn something. And to get a parent to learn is hard. I'm one of them. Because <laughs> we think we know it. And we are okay, we are in the church, we've done very well. So who are you to tell me I need to learn something new? But that's why I said there's a big gap between ourselves and our kids. And there's something for all of us to learn. And if we don't learn it, we're going to give out the wrong impressions, feelings and message. We live in the UK where it's the highest the second highest teenage pregnancy uh, across 21 developed countries after the states. Scotland's very high. So I, there are lots of reasons for that. But So we are in Scotland. That is the highest out of the UK, which is the second highest of teenage pregnancy. So that's what people talk about. So it's really important. Um, any questions or comments? Shadi. 
Yeah, that's a very useful. I was hoping it would be useful in the theory of the 